Hey everybody, it is me, your host, Michael Hunter, also known as at Pcone36 on Twitter. Welcome. This is ACCBR episode number 34. It is a beautiful fall day in the Triangle today. Uh, today I'm going to talk about a couple of recruiting notes. I'm not going to go too much into the recruiting. Uh, to step away from that a little bit. There are some, some big happenings going on in the ACC in the world of recruiting that I will touch on. But for right now... I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to the key points. I have my top five returning ACC players. We're gonna finish out the list that I've been doing on the website on ACCBasketballReport.com. Uh, I'm gonna break down those top five. I'll also give you my number eleven team on the ACC Basketball Report projected standings. If you want to check out any written content, I've been putting up a ton of stuff on ACCBasketballReport.com. You can check out my stuff on SlapTheSign.com. Though I haven't been. Putting anything up there recently, not a whole lot of news going on with the Notre Dame basketball program. You can check me out at therunnersports.com. I am covering Georgia Tech basketball in particular for them right now. And not so much going on GT Swarm right now, but check us out for any uh, good Georgia Tech basketball talk. That is my favorite message board to contribute to. I, am, I put it out there on my Twitter account the other day that I may be moving forward with the message board idea for accbasketballreport.com. That idea, I uh, did, you know, receive some, I put a poll up to see if it's something you guys would be interested in. Um, those of you that did vote, voted yes, for the most part. I think only had one no vote. So that's, that's something that I'm going to move forward to. I am going to be on Tony Patelis' College Hoop News podcast later this evening. So check that out on YouTube. Tony runs a great show. I'm going to do his ACC preview for him. And that's all I got right now. This is ACC Basketball Report. I'm Michael Hunter. Welcome to the ACC Basketball Report. Michael Hunter here. Got a loaded show for you today. As I said in the intro, recruiting news, top five returning players in the ACC, and my number 11 team for the upcoming season in the conference. Uh, first and foremost, as always, like, rate, review, share, retweet the episode, get the word out. Um, you know, trying to trying to grow this brand, grow this base, and you guys are are, are the pivotal. You know, the pivotal piece in me accomplishing that goal. Uh, got some swag coming in. I tried to give away an ACCBR hoodie last night. Unfortunately, didn't quite happen. Um, one, of the, one of the Twitter followers was pretty close. He had the right five guys. He just he missed it by order, and he only missed it by one. Uh, last night, if you, weren't, if you weren't following me, at Pcone36 on Twitter, I put it out there that if you could list the five my top five players returning to the ACC this year, in the correct order that I have them, I would throw out a uh, an ACCBR hoodie for you guys with my emblem, black sweatshirt. Uh, unfortunately, nobody got it. I will try to give this sweatshirt away. I promise you, we're going to do something else here pretty soon. Uh, I'm going to jump right into a little bit of recruiting news. I wanted to. St- I, I didn't record last weekend because there was a lot of good visits going on. I thought there was a high likelihood that we would see some commitments last weekend. Unfortunately, we didn't see some of the commitments that I wanted to see. I did see one, uh, one that 
it kind of took me by surprise. I thought this kid was going to take all his all of his visits, and I thought that he was leaning towards Rutgers. But <clears throat> Wake Forest did receive a commitment from a uh, four-star, I guess, hybrid uh, wing player Ismail Masood out of New York. Uh, four-star, top 125 player. He's kind of a stretch four that can shoot it, and he's a lights-out shooter. Very good shooter. Needs to put on some weight, so right now he's probably going to be looking at playing the three. I wonder if he's got the quicks to play the three and defend the three, especially at the ACC level. He needs to get stronger. and needs to put on some weight, but this is a talented kid that if he does put on some weight, hits the weight room, gets in the nutrition program, he could be a stretch four type. He could be a really effective player for Wake Forest in the future. He's a kid I really liked. Um, he chose them over Rutgers, Georgia Tech, a couple others. So Danny Manning continues to recruit at a high level, doesn't do a whole lot with it, but, I mean, you can't argue with the results. He brings players in, and whether it be, you know, needing to shake up a little bit on his bench, you know, something there, I'm not sure. I actually like his his uh, his coaches on the bench pretty well. It's, you know, Manning is kind of a big man whisperer, so this kid's not, you know, center, but uh, you know he he can play in the in in the 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 new hybrid four type player. So we'll we'll see how this goes. This kid has a ton of upside. I really like this pickup. Louisville picks up another commitment in uh, Quinn Slazinski. This is a four star kid. You know I I don't know a whole lot about him. This commitment makes five for Chris Mack in Louisville in the 2019 class. Though Slazinski is expected to redshirt. That was uh, originally reported by Evan Daniels was the first time I saw that. Trey Mitchell's on campus at Notre Dame this weekend. He is more than likely their priority big man. I know that people want to say Jeremiah Robinson Earl is. You know, before that, Isaiah Stewart was. This kid is the most likely kid, I think, that will end up at Notre Dame. I, I look for a commitment from him, if not while he's on campus today, sometime in the very near future. I could not find any more scheduled official visits for him. He's long been rumored to be going to Notre Dame. Some other schools have jumped in and offered him recently. I believe Louisville was one of them. But right now, I, I think Mitchell eventually ends up at Notre Dame. Whether or not that happens, I'm not sh- that happens soon or today, I'm not sure. Uh, Orlando Robinson, seven-footer out of Las Vegas, is on an official visit to Georgia Tech this weekend. Jalen Leck, who is a five-star point guard, um, one of the best players in the country out of South Carolina, We'll be announcing his decision Tuesday. He's a point guard at a Brewster Academy. Um, NC State's the favorite here. Louisville is also in the running. Those are the two ACC schools there. Uh, I like NC State here. I mean, I think the style, if you've ever seen this kid play, he's incredible. He's an incredible athlete. He's got big ups for a pretty little guy. I think he's about 6'2", 165. And... Uh, just he's an incredible player, and to put him in that Kevin Keats up tempo type offense, I think is, is is a perfect match. I look for NC State to really get a nice a nice start to their 2019 class on Tuesday. Syracuse was in to see Joe Girard this week. It was announced, I believe, yesterday or two days ago that the six foot two guard from Glen Falls, New York. We'll be announcing uh, his decision in the next couple weeks. His final six, Notre Dame, Syracuse, Boston College, Duke, Michigan, and Penn State. I still like Michigan here, but I think Syracuse is starting to pick up steam. Uh, I, I, I don't see Duke giving him a committable offer at this point. I think they're going to you know, they're gonna wait out Cole Anthony for a little bit. They're going to wait on some other guys. If he wanted to, to, to uh, commit early, I'm not sure that's a take for Duke right now. 
Though, you know, recently some of their, some, you know, Josiah James spurned them a couple weeks ago. Brian Antoine spurned them for, for Villanova. Uh, it looks like they're starting to lose Isaiah Stewart as he is on an official to Kentucky this weekend. So Duke's really starting to feel the, the, uh, the Jeff Capel crunch as he starts to work Pitt into some of those circles that he previously had Duke in with these one-and-done kids. You know, I I still think Duke's going to pull in a hell of a 2019 class. This is far from decided. It's far from over. I mean, sometimes you swing and miss, but you, there's no denying that Capel's the loss of Capel on that bench on the recruiting trail for Duke is something they're feeling almost immediately. Uh, Cole Anthony is on his official visit to Chapel Hill this weekend. You know, every team that's recruiting Anthony is watching because they they are the odds on favorite right now to land this kid Roy Williams is killing it on the uh, on the recruiting trail right now also every team that is recruiting Boogie Ellis is paying attention to what's going on in Chapel Hill this weekend because if Anthony commits to North Carolina then Boogie Ellis probably uh, becomes available more readily available to some of these other teams right now I think he's a North Carolina lean North Carolina is the team that I think people should be the most scared of when recruiting Ellis he called North Carolina a dream school so What's going on here is, say Gerard goes to either Syracuse or Michigan, I give the edge to Michigan, and Anthony goes to Chapel Hill, expect Duke to put the full court press on Boogie Ellis to be their 2019 point guard. That is why, you know, Cole Anthony and Boogie Ellis are the main reason why I think Joe Gerard may not have a committable offer to Duke right now. I think Duke is waiting on those two guys to see if they can land one of them. I'm also not convinced that Trey Jones isn't going to be the point guard in Durham next year. Uh, he could be a one-and-done guy, but I'm not sure he projects that way. I, I, also, I didn't think that about his brother either when his brother was here, but, you know, it, that's the way it goes. Some of these kids are, have already decided, say, Trevon Duval, have, you know, he decided he was one-and-done before he ever set foot in Durham. So yeah, whether or not it's a, the right decision, I don't know, but Trey Jones could be back for a sophomore season. I think that's still within the realm of possibilities. Anthony Harris, a six foot three combo guard, third ranked player out of the state of Virginia, is on his official uh, visit to Duke this weekend. Harris is a top seventy player uh, in the two thousand and nineteen class. Interesting to see them kind of throw their hat in this ring. I think he's probably the guy below uh, Brian Antoine that uh, that they had, and since they lost out on Antoine, they're starting to put the press on Harris. Virginia Tech has to be nervous now. I think they were they were probably the odds on favorite for Harris before uh, Brian Antoine committed to Villanova. And now it looks like, you know, when Duke starts throwing their hat in the ring, you know, Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, when these teams get involved, Kentucky, when these teams get involved, it's just, you basically just stop paying attention because they're going to get who they want. Um, You know, regardless of relationships that you've built, it seems, you know, we all know what they're doing and how they're doing it more than likely with 90% certainty. And unfortunately, they'll never be punished for it. You know, you can't tell me that that Louisville, who is a not a secondary Adidas school, but a lower tier Adidas school than than Kansas. You know, Louisville gets busted for this, and Patino gets fired, and all this stuff comes out about Silvio D'Souza. Where where is the punishment for Kansas? I mean, there's got to be some some stuff out there. And Louisville is scrutinized for, for their behavior and they're benefiting from their Adidas, their relationship with Adidas. Yet Kansas is out there just landing top five kids left and right. They have an amazing class coming in this year. And I believe D'Souza is actually expected to play this season. I think he was cleared of any wrongdoing. I mean, it was out there in the open that his guardian took money from somebody. And 
Nothing ever came of it. So, you know, when these when these top four teams, you know, there's four Blue Bloods. Okay, there's Kansas, there's Kentucky, Duke, and North Carolina. Villanova's right there. But uh, Villanova, Jerry Wright recruits a little bit differently. Um, when those four teams' programs get involved, you can forget about it. Because if, if they want the kid, they're going to get the kid. And unfortunately, that... You know, that's the way college basketball is in 2018. This FBI investigation has not done shit, you know, um, in my eyes. And I'm, I'm starting to lose faith that that it's actually going to improve, you know, what's going on in college basketball. This committee has proved to be a flop. And with that, I'm going to step off the soapbox. I was just kind of uh, ad-libbing there for a minute. And uh, let's let's get back to the rundown. Uh, Miami received commitment from Isaiah Wong this week. Uh, 6'2 combo guard. He should slide right into the two-guard spot next to Chris Likes next year after Zach Johnson, who is expected to be the two-guard this year, graduates. Uh, I like this kid. I, I haven't seen a whole lot on him. I do know that he's a player. And this is their first commitment in the 2019 class. It's actually their first commitment since the 2017 class as far as a true freshman uh, committing to Miami and expected to actually make it on campus. Uh, Syracuse and Pitt both receive official visits from ACOC ACOC. Uh, he is a 6'10 center. He's a defensive juggernaut. Pitt gets the last crack at him, but I'm eyeing that fourth visit to Syracuse. He fits that 2-3 zone perfectly. He is, if you guys can hear my dog, I apologize. He's acting like a maniac under the desk. Um, he he's, he's a defensive center. He he plays a lot like Pasquale uh, Chukwu right now. Uh, he's a little bit thin. He just blew up this this past summer. He needs to put on a little bit of weight. But as far as defensive anchors... He's he's top notch. He's one of one of, if not the best defensive center in the 2019 class. Six ten. He needs to put on weight. I think he's right around 200 pounds, which is rail thin. But I mean, he had a 14 block game, I think, in the EYBL or whatever summer league that he was playing in. He's just he's a really good player. I look for for Syracuse to have a, a very good shot at him, and I th- actually think that looking at it now, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's actually favored in the crystal ball at 100% for Syracuse, so that makes sense. Um, I've been tracking some other stuff. Keon Brooks is uh, keeping North Carolina in his top six. He's a 6'6 swing forward. Uh, check you know check out accbasketballreport.com. I put this stuff up as soon as I can find it. You know you know I'll throw 150 words on it. I'll give you guys you know some YouTube images so you guys can see what see what I'm seeing. And, uh, you know, I, I try to put that up, try to get something up every day this past week. It's, I'm trying to rededicate myself to the website. I let it get a little stale there for a while. Okay. So, uh, this list that I've been doing, uh, top 25, it's actually close to like 28, but it's my website. I can do what I want. Uh, top returning players to the, to the ACC for the 2018-19 season. The list so far in descending order i guess right descending ascending ascending would be one and up descending would be 25 and down so it is uh coming at 25 i kicked it off with anthony lawrence and then in order phil kofer chris likes vj king torin dorn jordan chapman jordan nora which i've caught a little bit of grief from um nora is my my pick for the biggest breakout player in the conference this year i think he's got the talent i think he's going to get receive the opportunity from chris mack i really like jordan or uh shelton mitchell of clemson mj walker jose alvarado terrence mann terrence mann is a guy that i originally had a lot higher and i seemingly come to my senses a little bit and dropped him down 
But now I'm wondering if maybe I, I was a little bit too harsh in my ranking of him. Man could be one of the best players in the conference. Uh, Dewan Huell, uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, a uh, player I really like out of Virginia Tech, another guy that should be a household name and possibly a lottery pick in next year's draft. Kerry Blackshear Jr., Eli Thomas, Kyle Guy at 12. You know, Kyle Guy is an interesting player. He's a scorer, okay? He... Uh, he just, he, he's seemingly a little bit one-dimensional for me. Um, you know, I said it before, him being on the first team, all-ACC team last year, I thought was, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it was unwarranted. I just, I, I had, you know, some other guy, I had another guy on there ahead of him, I'll say that. Um, at uh, at 11, I had Ty Jerome. So I had Ty Jerome ahead of Kyle Guy, and I'll explain that after I get down through here. Uh, Ty Jerome at 11, Cameron Johnson at 10, Markel Johnson at 9, O'Shea Brissett at eight, DeAndre Hunter at seven, and Tyus Battle came in at six for me. You know, here, here's the thing with Kyle Guy. When I look at Virginia, um, I think if you take Kyle Guy off the team, Virginia is still successful. Maybe not as successful, but they're still going to be contenders in the ACC. If you take Ty Jerome off, I'm not sure that they're as good. Okay, if you take DeAndre Hunter off, they're definitely not as good. So I think of the three, Kyle Guy might be. I'm not going to say least valuable because that's just blasphemy. But I, I think Virginia could still be successful without Guy. I'm not sure how successful they'd be without Ty Jerome and without DeAndre Hunter. But I'm really high on both those guys. Some people aren't. You know, it's, it's an opinion. So, uh, you know, I give mine. I'm, I'm not uh, – some, sometimes I am susceptible to groupthink. But for the most part, I go my own way. And I see basketball a little bit different than some other people. Sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I'm wrong. I'm, not, I'm going to say it's 50-50. So, my thoughts on all these players is on accbasketballreport.com. Just go to the site, scroll through, hit the search bar, uh, you know, look for whoever you're looking for. Just type in their name. should pop right up. Anybody I listed there. Uh, Some guys that I left off the list that I was expecting to catch a little bit of grief from. uh, Brandon Childress, who's a guy that, that I've talked about on ACCBR before, especially in the Wake Forest preview. You know, he's a kid I like. He would probably be in that top 35 range. Um, probably the most egregious person that I left off the list was Frank Howard from Syracuse. And talking to s- some people, some other independents around the internet, Frank Howard, he put up numbers last year. Um, he put up great defensive numbers last year. I think he is one of the best defensive players in the, in the conference. My problem with Howard is he's incredibly inefficient. I, I don't... You know, he, he's a guy who I think benefited from the volume that he received last year because Syracuse really didn't have a whole lot of options on the offensive end. And if you listen to any podcast I did from last season, you'll know, you know, my thoughts on the Syracuse offense last year was it was terrible. There was very little flow. It was basically Howard shooting a three and then Tyus Battle shooting a three. They played pass back. And then if they missed it, O'Shea Brissett would get the offensive rebound and then he'd score. You know, it's it's it was... I, I really hope that that's not how Syracuse plays this year because I think they're super talented and I think they have a really good shot. I, I think their upside is Elite Eight Final Four this year, but we'll get to that a little bit later. So, you know, Frank Howard I left off. Um, Brandon Childress I left off. You know, I don't think there, you know, there's nobody that really, uh, you know, Eric Lockett, but he's not a returning player. He's a transfer kid. Braxton Beverly was a kid that I left off because. He's he's a little bit one dimensional for me. He, you know he's got you know good assist to turnover ratio for for a shooting guard, but he's he's kind of one dimensional. He's terrible on defense. 
you know, I, I wouldn't take any of those three kids, the being Childress, Howard, or Beverly, over anybody I, that I listed. Okay, who are you gonna who are you gonna take him over? Maybe Anthony Lawrence. I think you're splitting hairs. I think Anthony Lawrence is is talented, and he's gonna get an opportunity to show that this year. We're gonna talk about him in a little while, but I wouldn't swap anybody off this top twenty five for any of those three kids, and 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 not expect an argument from the other side of the person that I'm that I'm removing from the list. So I think it's a pretty solid list. I'm gonna get into the top five now. Coming in at number five is a kid that if you guys pay attention to me or have been listening to me since I since I started ACCBR, you guys know I'm a huge Marquise Reed fan. Okay, Marquise Reed of Clemson, one of my favorite players in the conference, averaged 16 points, uh, four and a half rebounds, three and a half assists, a steal and a half last year. He shoots it from at 35% from deep. Uh, over 80% from the stripe. He's one of the best perimeter defenders in the entire ACC. You know, this was the kid that I had on my first team all-conference last year instead of Kyle Guy. I was talking to uh, Tony Patelis last night. He actually agreed with me. I was expecting an argument. Um, I did not receive it. I love Marquise Reed. Um, you know, the backcourt that he's going to make up with Shelton Mitchell, who's also on this list. I think he came in at number 17. I think he's incredible. I think Clemson's going to be very good this year. And I wonder how Clemson's going to be when these three guys leave. When Reed, Thomas, and, and Mitchell all leave, I wonder about Clemson's future. But for this year, for all intents and purposes, Clemson's going to be good. And a lot of it is because of this guy. I think he's one of the more under, maybe the most underappreciated player, certainly in the ACC and possibly in the entire country. He's a true two-way player. He can score it on the break. He can score it on in the half-court offense. And he can defend the perimeter and typically defends the other team's best perimeter player while still putting up 16, 5, and 3 a game. Uh, I, I just, you know, there's not, I, I can't say enough good things about this kid. Mark Reese to Clemson, number five on my ACCBR countdown. Number four is, you know, it's fairly obvious. This kid's one of the best players in the conference. Justin Robinson kind of, kind of broke out last year for Virginia Tech. 14 points, five and a half assists, almost three rebounds per game. He has the second highest assist total from uh, amongst players returning this year from last season behind only Markel Johnson. He shoots it at 39.5% from deep, 78% from the stripe. He's a leader. You know, he's Buzz Williams' floor general out there, and sometimes in that offense, they, they get a little little sideways, and he's he's the guy that that takes control and gets them back in their sets. He puts people in very good positions to succeed on the offensive end. Um, you know, those kicks to the corners to get guys like Tra uh, Travis Outlaw, uh, NAW, no, uh, Almighty Hill, you know, guys like that. He gets them open looks with his dribble drive and kick ability. So Justin Robinson's number four for me. He is probably a dark horse player of the year candidate, I think, depending on, depending on how he performs. Uh, I, I I just love this kid. I, again, I can't say enough good things about either Justin Robinson or Marquise Reed. Number three, and I expect you know anybody that listens to this show to possibly give me some grief about it, but this was my my breakout player of the year last year that I chose before the season. I, I nailed it. Number three, Temple Gibbs from Notre Dame. Um, you know he went from four and a half points as a true freshman to fifteen and a half points. Last year, now, you know that goes with three point, uh, three rebounds, three assists a game. He shoots forty percent from uh, from behind the arc. He shoots north of eighty percent from from the line, and he was kind of thrust into the fire um, last year with the injuries to Bonzi Colson and and Matt Farrell, and they didn't skip a beat. You know Notre Dame struggled, but 
you know, he he stepped up his game. He was, you know, the alpha on that team. Rex Fluger kind of struggled in, you know, that, that secondary option role. He's more of a glue guy. But, uh, you know, I think Gibbs showed what he could do. He's one of the best shooters in the conference. And I think this year, Bray is going to give him a lot of leash. And you're going to see him maybe open up the mid-range game. You're going to see him go into the basket a little bit more. Obviously, he's a fantastic free-throw shooter. So, you know, he's just... I expect him to even kick it into another gear. He, he could be an 18-point-a-game guy this year. You know, last year, he's fifth in the... Uh, actually, fifth in the league in offensive win shares last year. He's just... He's a really good player. I think he's really underappreciated. I know some people um, aren't as high as I was on him. You know, listening to uh, Three Man Weave... They weren't real high on Notre Dame simply because Temple Gibbs was going to be their best player. I, I'm at the other end of that spectrum. I, I think Notre Dame is, I think they're a bubble team, but I don't think it has anything to do with Temple Gibbs being their best player. I think it's you know some other things, and I'll talk about that when I get into that team preview, which will be coming up in the next few episodes. Uh, you know, obviously, the uh, the final two you know likely candidates. You know, I, I thought about ways to present this, and I'm just I'm just going to go down through. I think number one's pretty obvious. If you read um, kind of the little survey I put out the other day, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, outliers in that. Everybody pretty much agreed on number one. Number two, though, I have Kai Bowman at Boston College, and I knew he was good last year. He he was almost my number one. Uh, he is, you know, the team success I think has to play a factor, but. You know, 17.6 points, 6.8 rebounds, 4.7 assists per game. That's incredible. I, you know, he you know, he shoots it from 36% from deep, 81% from the line. He is the best all-around player in the ACC, I think. As far as versatility and things that he can do on the basketball court, he's incredible. Okay, he's the one that makes Jordan Chapman so good. He's the one that gets him open looks. Jerome Robinson, yeah, he'd get his own shot. That's why he's a lottery pick. But, you know... I like Boston College a little bit this year, maybe more than most. You know, some people have them at, you know, 12, 11, somewhere in there. I got them a little bit higher. I think if Boston College is going to make any kind of postseason this year, though, Bowman might actually have to improve on those numbers. Um, I wouldn't put it past him. I think he's certainly capable. He is he, He's a player of the year candidate in the entire country. You know, Boston College's overall success may hold him back, but... There's no denying this kid is one of the best players in the country. And if Boston College is going to make any kind of tournaments or anything like that anytime, they need to do it this year because he is fucking gone after this season. Okay, he's a he's a lottery pick next year. This kid's an NBA player. I was, if I was Jim Christian, I'd be thanking the college basketball gods that he came back because when you put up numbers like that and you play the way he plays, he, he's right now he's Russell Westbrook light. Okay, he's he has that type of game. I think. Um, you know, Westbrook wasn't even that great at UCLA. Of course, he didn't receive a whole lot of opportunity there. But this kid models his game after Westbrook. I don't know if that's actually true, but it's certainly the way it looks to me. So Kai Bowman comes in at number two. Number one is obviously Luke May of UNC. Um, no surprise. May is the only player in college basketball last year to average 15, 10, and two assists while shooting 40% from three. He, you know, 15, 10, and 15, 10, and 2, he's actually only one of four, and one of the guys only played seven games last year. The other was a kid from Missouri State, and I can't remember his name, and the other was uh, Jock Lawndale of, uh, of St. Mary's. So, you know, the second that May decided to come back for his senior season, he became the odds-on favorite for ACC Player of the Year. 
possibly national player of the year. Um, I think that's certainly within the realm of possibilities. If you're thinking about the best player in the best conference in the country, certainly he has a shot at player of the year. Now, you know, they like to say, they like to see, you know, these star, star stud freshman five-star guys sometimes at player of the year. This guy, you're not, you're not going to out, you're not going to stop him from putting up his numbers, okay? And if Williams actually commits to this five-out or four-round-one offense that gave North Carolina so much success last year, Luke Macon is going to dominate. Because you put you put the Nasir Little, you put Kobe White, Kenny Williams, and Cam Johnson around the perimeter and let Luke May go one-on-one and go to work, he's going to dominate. He's going to put up 25 a night. Now, struggles a little bit against more athletic big men, but who is the more athletic big man in the ACC right now? Dewan Huell? Yeah. I think I think he played already. I think Luke May may have played already against Miami last year. Uh, you know, May is, you know, Kerry Blackshear. He'll be in foul trouble in five minutes playing against Luke May if he's got to defend him one-on-one. So... <clears throat> I just and, and then of course you can step out to the three and drill it at forty percent. So it's just not fucking fair. And to think that this kid was a walk on at North Carolina a few years ago is just it's incredible. It uh, as my buddy uh, T Little said in his response to the best returning player in the ACC, he's a good example for some of these kids at the North Carolina program to show you what hard work can do. And this kid made himself into a block of granite, um, and and just worked his ass off. Now he's a shooter. Now he's got an NBA future or at least a pro future somewhere. He's going to make some money somewhere. Kid averages double-double. I mean, you just can't stop him from getting his numbers. He may struggle against athletic bigs, but he's still going to find a way to get his numbers. And there's just, you know, when I started the list, I was talking to T. I said, you know, I want to to put out a a story or a, a post on the blog that says, you know, some differing opinions from my own. I'm just afraid that Luke May is going to be everybody's answer. And Patella says to me, you know, well, I mean, if he's the best player in the conference, then he, then he is what it is, and you know, you can't really deviate that from that. And I and I embrace that a little bit. I was lucky that Will Ogenen, uh said DeAndre Hunter. Uh, T thought that Kyle Guy was in that conversation, so I, I think that was worth reading. Um, if you want to go to ACCBasketballReport.com, check that out. That's I thought that was a pretty good read. It's also uh, pinned on my Twitter page. All right, <clears throat> moving into my final projected standings for the ACC. This is a team I struggle a little bit with. You know, we're getting into the part of this countdown, the projected standings, which I'm going to release the overall standings tonight on the College Hoop News podcast. But for the deep dives that I do, you'd have to come back here to, to get my general thoughts on why I have people there. I think, you know, anybody can give you their projected standings. I think in order to get them accurately, People need to know why, okay? People need to know what you're thinking, how I value teams, and, and things like that. And that's what I'm going to give you here. I'm going to release the standings there. I don't think it's a big deal. I don't know if there's much crossover between me and Tony's podcast, but Tony's a little bit more prepared. I like to shoot from the hip. I think probably our audiences you know, gravitate to one or the other. So not a big deal. But uh, number 11 in my projected standings is the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, maybe a little bit low. And maybe just right. Okay, uh, I'll give you some. I'll give you my five reasons here in just a minute. Key losses for Miami. Uh, three of them really, uh, and it's a big three. Jaquan Newton, nine points, two and a half rebounds, two and a half assists per game. I believe when when he first came to Miami, he was the highest rated recruit that 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 
program had ever signed. Now, somebody can back check that, but I believe that to be true. As far as prognosticators and recruiting uh, professionals go in their rankings, I believe that he was the highest rate recruit that, that the Miami program ever signed. Somebody can check that. Get back to me. Let me know. Uh, Bruce Brown, 11.5 points, 7 rebounds per game, 4 assists per game. Had somewhat of a letdown of a sophomore season. Didn't play great. Uh, decided to jump to the NBA. And I don't know if I agree with that after after getting hurt. But everything seems to be going fine for him. He's actually impressed some people in the league from what I hear. Uh, Lonnie Walker the fourth. You know, this was their, their blue chip five-star guy. 11.5 points, 2.5 rebounds, 2 assists per game. Here's the thing with these guys. <clears throat> Good players, star players, um, just... It seemed like all three of them had bad seasons. You know, you look at the numbers overall, if you want to be a box score cowboy, sure, that's fine. But watching Miami play last year was brutal, to be honest. I don't know what happened. This team had so much talent last year. Some people actually picked them to win the entire conference last year, and they just underachieved very badly. I think the dynamic between these three guys that left was not great. You know, Lonnie Walker was coming off an injury. Bruce Brown got injured later. Jaquan Newton never actually lived up to his potential, really. He's a good defender, but he just shot terribly from the perimeter, which I always thought was going to get better, and it never really did. Uh, And I apologize for Turkey the dog in the background being a lunatic. But, you know, I think Newton leaving is probably addition by subtraction. I'm going to steal that term from three-man weave, and I absolutely agree. They brought it up. I absolutely agree. Um, I think Zach Johnson's upgrade at that position, you know, they should have been so much better last year with Walker and Brown. Now, it wouldn't have mattered in the tournament because Brown ended up getting hurt. But Walker kind of, he started to come on a little bit late, but he wasn't efficient either. You know, 12 points per game, so much more expected of that kid. He didn't shoot the ball well, and he he became kind of a volume guy towards the end of the year. And Miami was just brutal to watch. So those are their losses. Their additions... Uh, first I'm going to say, you know, they have no true freshmen coming in this year. Okay. This Adidas scandal, them being mentioned in the FBI probe has obviously had an effect on their recruiting. Now they seem to be, to be, you know, riding the ship a little bit. As I mentioned in the rundown, Isaiah Wong is is one of the top combo guards in the country. So, you know, it seems like, uh, you know, they're coming back a little bit on the recruiting trail. It's a good get for them, a good start to the 2019 class. So, uh, one, two, three, four, five, five new guys to the program. One of them is not really a new guy, and one of them actually isn't even there. But uh, Zach Johnson from Florida Gulf Coast, grad transfer. He's immediately eligible. He is an upgrade over Newton. 16 points, three rebounds, three assists per game last year playing for Florida Gulf Coast. He's going to step in. He's going to start at the two for a year. Makes for a pretty good backcourt with Chris Likes. I'm going to touch on that in just a second. Uh, Anthony Mack is a transfer from Wyoming. He was injured all all year last year, never played for the Cowboys. Uh, He did receive a waiver to play immediately. So he's going to be, I've never seen the kid play. I've never seen the kid play at the collegiate level, so I don't really know what to expect. Uh, he was a pretty good recruit. I think he was a three-star guy. You know, he's going to be leaned on a little bit to, to give them some quality depth off the bench. Uh, Cameron McGusty transfer from Oklahoma. He's going to have to sit out this year. He did not get a waiver. Uh, decent player for Oklahoma last year. Uh, Dengak is, he'll be available this year after redshirting last year. He's going to be probably the primary backup in the front court for Dewan Hewell. This kid came in last year, pretty highly regarded. Um, he's rail thin. Hopefully he's worked on his body. I haven't seen him play this year as far as practice or anything like that goes. I don't know if he put on any weight. I would expect him that he did. Um, 
he, he was, he's an interesting player. He's a good defender, big hands, long arms, just rail thin. And hopefully he put on some weight, put on some muscle because they're going to need him to be quality, uh, to provide quality depth in that backcourt. Uh, the other one is, and this kid's not, not on the team, I don't believe, is uh, Keon Boyd. He's listed on the roster and verbal commits, but uh, he's not on Miami's official roster on their website. So he, uh, uh, you know, that would have been a good get for them. He's a four-star kid. He would have been really helpful on this team. Okay. So, and, and I apologize for stuttering here. This dog is driving me crazy just staring at me. And he's busting ass and it stinks in this room now. But uh, five reasons I have Miami at 11. <clears throat> I have three concerns and a couple of good things. Okay. The three concerns why I have them so low. The couple of good things is obviously why I have them above the top four. My first concern is the loss of Miles Wilson. Uh, if you, for those of you who may not know, Wilson recently dismissed, dismissed from the Hurricanes program. Uh, he, you know, he was going to be that guy that was going to provide quality depth in the backcourt. You know, he had a freshman season at Mount St. Mary's that was very uh, productive. Uh, averaged about 12 points, four rebounds a game, shot 36% from three. I, I just I don't know where the depth is now. You know, this is a kid they were going to lean on to, to provide a scoring punch, to provide some shooting. And now he's gone. And, you know, who do you who do you turn to for that depth? And, you know, Vasilovich is going to play the three. Lawrence is potentially going to play the four, I would imagine. They're going to play kind of a small ball four. I just I, – I don't know where the depth is. I don't know. And I'm going to touch on some, uh, those two other guys here in a second. It just – Wilson was going to be a key cog in this wheel. And uh, now my computer is fucking up. But, um, you know, this is a big loss. And, you know, I, I don't know what the kid did, but, you know, it, it's a bad situation. And let me be straight. This Miami team could potentially finish, I don't know, seventh, I guess, would probably be their ceiling. But that was before this kid got dismissed. And I think it's a big deal. And that's why I dropped them down below some teams like uh, NC State, Boston College, some of those teams. So uh, my number two reason. Uh, and it's a concern as to why I have Miami at 11 is Anthony Lawrence in particular, you know, can he be consistent? Okay. As a junior, he averaged about nine and five a game. Uh, he's a good rebounder. He's a good stretch fork type kid. You know, he has that ability to shoot the three, but he doesn't do it consistently enough. He had 13 games last year. We had 10 or more points, but he also had 11 games last year when he had five or less. You know, his production is going to be pivotal for Miami to actually succeed this year. If they're going to get up there into that 6-7-8 range and have a shot at making the tournament, Anthony Lawrence is one of the key pieces. He needs to provide that that fourth best player, those fourth best player numbers. Okay, He needs to be consistent night in and night out. And he wasn't last year. And as, you know, after playing three years, is he going to ever be that guy? Because he's kind of been inconsistent his entire career. He shows up with these monster games sometimes, and then he goes away for three weeks, and we never hear from him again. So <clears throat> he needs to step up. He needs to be that guy. He needs to be a senior leader. Um, and and I'm not 100% confident that he's going to be able to do that. My third reason why I have Miami at 11, and it's also a concern, this team lost 43% of its scoring on a team that was 172nd in the country in points per game last year. Now, the addition of Zach Johnson is obviously going to mitigate some of those concerns, but will it be enough? Okay, Chris Likes is going to score the ball. I think Dewan Huell will, will score a little bit more. But, you know, Vasilovich, Anthony Lawrence... You lose Wilson. You know, this is where that Wilson thing comes in. They, they brought in Zach Johnson. Okay, He scores 16 points a game, but that's in the Atlantic Sun. Okay, that's at Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, 
you know, when people transfer up, it's always a crapshoot. Okay, transferring down, you look at Kendrick Nunn going from Illinois to Oakland last year. Fucking kid was dominant. Okay, so transfer up, you rarely know what you're going to get. You know, you look at these guys like Eric Lockett at NC State, Torrey Johnson at Wake Forest, uh, Kwan Four at, uh, at Louisville. I don't really know what you're going to get out of these kids. Now, Zach Johnson, I think, is probably the best out of all of them. With the ex- yeah. I don't know. Him and Lockett are, are right there. But I just, I just don't know what to expect. I don't know if this team can score. And on a, you know when you lose two guys to the NBA and another guy that was a senior, kind of rumored to be a shooter, he didn't actually shoot the ball that well at all in his career. I'm, of course, talking about Newton. Some of these guys, all these guys are going to have to step up and they're all going to have bigger roles. Remember, there's no blue chip freshman coming in this year. There's none of those guys coming. That, that Adidas scandal killed recruiting for the 2018 class for this program. So, you know, two new faces. One of them's a kid that's never played at the college level. Another kid's a guy that played in the Atlantic Sun. So, or Sunbelt. Shit, I don't know. But I just, I, that's a concern for me. And that's that's a reason, that's one of the main reasons I have him at 11 instead of at 7 or 6 or wherever. Uh, number four, and this is one of the, the reasons that I like Miami ahead of those bottom four teams. Those bottom four teams being Pittsburgh, Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, and Louisville. The backcourt and the shooting, okay? The the backcourt of, of, of Likes and Zach Johnson is one of the better... In, Better backcourts in the con- in the conference, I think. I-, I think that's pretty. I think that's all right. It's certainly better than any of the bottom four teams. Uh, they're a little bit small, so I wonder how they're going to defend. You know, especially when you get big guards like Kai Bowman or uh, you know R.J. Barrett, especially Ty- uh, Frank Howard, Tyus Battle. You know, even Jalen Carey's got some size on these kids. You know, Jalen Carey stands at six foot four for Syracuse. Chris likes his five eight in his sneakers. So <clears throat> I worry about the defending, but likes can shoot it. Zach Johnson can shoot it. Uh, Vasilovich can shoot it. Lawrence can shoot it when he's feeling it. You know, this team does have the ability to chuck it from three, but, you know, are you going to trust Vasilovich to be consistent? Are you going to trust Anthony Lawrence to be consistent? Those are the problems I have with this. And again, the Miles Wilson thing rears his head. If he was here, the shooting's even better. Now, of all the guys they lost last year, I think Walker was the best shooter at 34%. Okay, so they may actually get better at shooting this year because Vasilovich is going to be taking a higher volume. Uh, Zach Johnson is obviously a better shooter than Jaquan Newton. Bruce Brown, not a great shooter last year. You know, likes attempts are going to go up. So I think they could be a better team shooting-wise this year than certainly last year with these guys that couldn't shoot the ball were shooting a vast majority of the three-point shots. So I do like their backcourt, their starting backcourt. I do like their shooting. I just, it's it's unproven, okay? Uh, Vasilovich, can he handle the volume? You know, he's going to go from playing 20 minutes a game to 28, 30 minutes a game, okay, because of this lack of quality depth that they have. We're going to see. You know, that's why I have an 11. More questions than answers. And the last reason why I have uh, Miami at number 11 is Dewan Hewell. Uh He's one of the most, simply put, he's one of the most talented big men in the ACC. With the exodus of big men from last year, you know, the, the Ben Lammers, Anas Mahmood, uh, you're at seven, Bagley, Carter, all these guys are now gone. And you have, you know, you have guys like Dewan Hewell, Elijah Thomas, Kerry Blackshear. Um, 
you know, that's that's basically uh, uh, JMCK. The Huel is one of the best big men in the in the conference, and, and who's going to stop him? Who's more athletic than him? Eli Thomas, maybe. You know, those are probably the two most athletic big men, but it's not. It's it's close. Okay. Um, I I just his his rebounding numbers I think going to go through the roof this year. He is their best interior offensive player. Last year when they actually ran their offense through him, they were very successful. The problem was that at times they lost him. Now, I expect the main pick and roll guy to be Lawrence. They're going to pick and pop him, but if they run Huel on pick and dive plays and give him opportunities to finish at the rim, I think Miami's going to be really successful. Now, obviously you can change it up and run set plays. Uh, depending on what you want to do. If you want to get Lawrence the three, you know, you do a pick and pop. If you want to get Huel, you know, going freight train through the bucket, you pick and have him dive. And I think Chris likes, and, and certainly Zach Johnson, they can both run that pick and roll, I think. That's that's their way to success, I believe. Obviously, Laranega is a huge pick and roll guy, but <clears throat> and he's going to run it regardless. I just I, I just hope they get Huel the ball on the block. I think that's that's a fantastic start for them. If he's able to, you know, get the defense to draw in and kick out to these shooters, if you get Lawrence looks from the, from the corner, I'm confident he'll be effective. You get Vasilovich uh, good looks from the wing, I'm confident he'll be effective. You know, you put likes in a in a pick and roll and make those defenders decide what they're going to do. The kid's as quick as a hiccup, so you better make that choice fast. They're going to be successful there. I think they have to use Dewan Huel more this year than they used him last year. Last year they got really perimeter heavy. And I think it hurt them because I think Miami is one of the best talent, most talented teams in the country last year. They just, they, they, I don't know if it was a chemistry issue. I don't know what the deal was, but it, they didn't play to their potential last year and certainly in the tournament. Now, injuries obviously hurt them, but, you know, this could be a team that the sum is better than its parts, but the, the lack of depth here is really concerning to me. I think they're closer to 11 than they are to six or seven or eight. Um, Louisville could get by these guys, you know, it's with Miami, it's the team that I am the most up in the air. about. I feel very confident about almost every other ranking in this rundown. Miami's the team that they, they might finish fourth. You know, Chris likes might score 20 a game. I don't know. I really don't know. But anyway, I'm done rambling. Some of that shit probably didn't even make any sense. I've been off for a couple weeks, but I'll be back next week. Check me out on college hoop news tonight. On YouTube, I think, is is where Tony's, uh, most of Tony's platform is. But, uh, yeah, we're going to have some fun tonight, and it should be a good time. Uh, Don't forget to like, rate, review, share. Leave me a comment. Give me five stars. Don't give me one stars. If you don't like the show, just don't listen to the show and move along. I'm only interested in five stars. You guys can say whatever whatever you want about the show as long as you give me five stars. I'll listen. I'll also be on Twitter. I'm trying to give away this hoodie. I just got to come up with a new game. So, Okay, here it is. <clears throat> I got it. If you can list my top five tonight that I'm going to release on the College Hoop News podcast, top five projected standings in the ACC, if you can list them in order between now and 7 o'clock tonight, I'll get you that hoodie. Now, I don't have them yet. They're in the mail. They're coming to me. As soon as I get it, I'll send it out to you. Top five, in order. Tag me at Pecone36, hashtag ACCBR. Give me my top five in the ACC standings this year. If you get it right, first one that gets it right gets a sweatshirt. Okay? Sound good? Cool. I'm Michael Hunter. This is the ACC Basketball Report. I'll see you guys next week.